0: Hey, hey, welcome to Queer Street. It's a new week, so it's time for another episode. And I am excited about this week because this is a great book, one of my favorites. And we get to chat a little bit about the upcoming trilogy of movies coming to Netflix because it ties into this book. So without further ado, here we go. This week, we're talking about book number 12 in the series, Lights Out. It came out July 1st, 1991, and comes in at 163 pages. So, you know, a good average length. Now, the cover of this is fabulous. So we've got, you know, it obviously takes place at, well, it doesn't obviously, but you're, I, it's obvious to me because I've already read it twice. So this book takes place at a camp. And so the the cover is great. So you've got right in the background, you've got this huge moon. You've got like some pine trees, a lake. It's dark, it's misty. And then right in the foreground, you've got a girl running to you and she looks scared. And she's got her hand up to her face like, oh, but also looks like she's kind of biting her nails. Her long blonde hair. This is a great cover, Bill Schmidt. Snaps to you, Bill. I love this one. So she looks terrified and she's got some great lashes. Let me tell you, I don't know what mascara she's using, but... I mean, it looks great. It looks fabulous. So fantastic. And the bl- the tagline on the front says, it all happens in the dark. Not the best tagline, because I mean, some of it happens in the dark, but it's camp. So of course there's going to be dark, but anywho, we'll forget that because the cover is so wonderful. But the blurb on the back says, who killed the counselor? I could kill you," screamed Jerry Marcus. "Could she? Would she? Something is very wrong at Camp Nightwing. Then, and Junior Counselor Holly Flint is determined to solve the mystery before it destroys the camp. The trouble begins with frightening acts of vandalism. After each, a red feather is left behind, the signature of the culprit. Suddenly, one of the counselors is dead—an accident, say the police. But Holly knows better, and she knows who's next. Holly can't trust anyone. Not, oh, she knows she's next, not who's next. It was like, I'm thinking to myself, how does she know who's next? She doesn't know who's next. She knows she's next. Holly can't trust anyone now, not even her best friend, as she stalks the camp killer and hopes that it soon won't be lights out for her. (laughs) And they have lights out and um, capitalized in quotation marks, because it's the name of the book, get it? Oh, so brilliant. So brilliant. I love this one. So Let's get right into this, because like I said, this one is so good. Now, y'all know I've talked before with Ski Week and about how I love a good, like, locked room, uh, like, wintry ski murder story. Another one is, like, a classic, uh, um, like, camping story, you know, because that goes all the way back to Friday the 13th and all those. Who doesn't want to go to camp and, you know be, you know, chased around by a murderer. Hopefully you're the final girl and you don't die. But, you know, if you do, at at least you made it into a, hopefully a good book or a movie. But anywho, so the chapter one starts off with a letter from the the, the killer to someone named Chief. So it says, Dear Chief, I'm at Camp Nightwing and I'm going to make them pay. And it's always signed me. So again, I love it when we get from the killer's point of view right off the bat, Bing bang, boom. We're here to go. Chapter two. We meet Holly Flynn. She finds a spider in her pillow. She does not like bugs. Girl, you in the wrong place. <laughs> Holly, you in danger, girl. <laughs> oh now I need to go watch Ghost. I love Whoopi Goldberg. Anywho, cat, get out of there. Anywho, cat, some something. So, um. And she's there's a spider on her pillow on her bunk bed, and she does not like it. Like I said, she's in the wrong place because she's a camp counselor. Come to find out, she um, was called by her Uncle Bill, her favorite uncle, two weeks ago to come and serve as a counselor at his camp. She lives on Fear Street, so he's like, it'll get you away from that creepy place for once. You know, so that's how they, you know, we have to bring up Fear Street, everyone, because this actually does not take place at Fear Street or even in Shadyside for that matter but you know the horrors of fear street follow the the um inhabitants the tenant not tenants what's what am i looking for um what do you call somebody that lives in a place like a citizen citizen that's the word i'm looking for and they go so so she agreed to come be his camp counselor because he's having some trouble you know he, he he's always been a dream to open his camp well poor uncle bill. The first year there was, um, there was a fire. Then the next year there was a flood. And then the previous year, right before this year, one of the camper was killed in a boating accident. So, you know, this is his last go, you know, shit's not looking good for poor uncle bill. And so uh, clearly he's having staffing issues. Nobody wants to work at this place. And you know, he's got to make some money, you know, enrollments down because you know, floods and fire. I mean, I don't know. Nobody wants to go there. So she goes ahead and says she'll ha- help him out because her best friend, Thea Mack, you know, cause we got to learn their last names too, um, is working there. So they meet, they're going to have fun. And Thea's all like, well, maybe you'll meet someone cute. She wants her to meet cause she worked there last year. Thea did. And she wants her to meet, um, John, this guy she has, Thea has a crush on, but Holly's like, girl, I'm not here for no man. I'm just getting over George. Okay. And then as they're talking, they hear someone crying for help. Well, they run to the rec room where Uncle Bill is squashed under a huge metal cabinet that has partially fallen, and all of the sports equipment has fallen out. Luckily, they're able to get him free because it didn't fully fall on him, or else he would have been crushed to death, flattened. You know, so dodge a bullet there, Uncle Bill. But as they're cleaning up and they're putting things away, Holly knows there's a small red feather behind the cabinet. She's like, "Well, that's weird," but you know, whatever. And then so she and Holly start holly holly and thea are talking as they're cleaning up and thea i need a drink stub my my words my mouth must be dry so <laughs> thea mentions that um a girl named Jerry Marcus is also there and holly freaks out and Jer- and thea's like what's going on well who should walk up right then but jerry yes come to find out Holly tells Thea that she and Jerry were like BFFs a long time ago when they both lived in Waynesbridge, you know, Shady Sides neighboring town. They were best friends when they were growing up. And then, one, when they were teenagers just a few years ago, <sighs> Jerry asked Holly to lie to her and say that she was spending the night at her house while she went out with this bad boy, Brad, bad boy, Brad Burlow. There's some alliteration for you. I just taught poetry last week. So, yes. And so, but. Holly is not good at lying. So when Jerry's mom calls her, she kind of blurts it up. She fucks it all up and tells her, you know, oops, you know, she's not here. And then she's like, oh wait, yes, she is. Oh wait, no, she's not. And she ends up telling him. Well, clearly Jerry's mom is not happy. Jerry gets in trouble. And the next day Jerry calls her and says, you did all this because you're jealous. You're just, you're a bitch. I don't like you anymore. So now they've, you know, now they're feuding. I mean, like, it sounds nothing, but whatever. And then, you know, of course, Holly moved to Shady Side, So, you know, out of sight, out of mind, until they're back together now at camp. So now they're just um, she's walking to the cabin, she's f- stressed out, she's meeting some of the other campers. We meet another cancer na- cancer. Oops, sorry. We meet another camper, count camp counselor, good night of mighty. We meet another camp counselor named Mick, who, y'all, I love this. Come on, Arl Stein says that he looks like Kevin Bacon. Now you know I love it when he describes, you know, we've had Cher before, we've had Daryl Hannah. I love this because you know what movie Kevin Bacon was in. I mean, because Kevin Bacon is a timeless, um, not as good looking timeless as Paul Rudd, but Kevin Bacon's like 375 years old and he's been in everything. Well, you know, he was in the first um, Friday the 13th. So I thought that was a great little Easter egg. I'm pretty sure Arl Stein did that on purpose because he's that fabulous. But I love that. I got a kick out of that. So anywho, she's walking back to her cabin as she walks in. There is a bat flying around. She freaks out, starts, you know, screaming. In walks Um, some of the other counselors, Jerry, of course, that bitch. And then one of the other, the like head camp counselor, Deborah. And she's like, stop freaking out, you idiot. Just let her out of here. So the bat flies out and then they all leave to go to this camp out where the counselors are not camp out, campfire, where the counselors are going to get to know each other. You know, they're going to meet, you know, they're going to be working together. So the kids are going to come the next day. This is their time to meet each other. And so I'm getting total, total, total Friday the 13 vibes throughout this entire thing. So Holly says she'll be there the minute she goes there. They're grilling hot dogs and s'mores. I do not like hot dogs, but I do love a good s'more. So all the counselors are introducing themselves. You know, we meet. We've got Kit, who has a crush on Jerry. Deborah, who's the head counselor. We've got Sandy, this handsome blonde guy. We've got John, who Thea is crushing on. We've got Thea. And they're all introducing themselves when, um, a boy pulls out a hatchet and comes toward them, but it turns out it's just Kit and he's, of course, you know, we have to have some douchey jokester and that's Kit. Okay. So chapter seven, we have another letter. Okay. This one says, bummer, the cabinet didn't fully fall, but I'll keep working at it. Uh, oh, so now we know that whoever's writing to this chief guy is, or I guess the chief could be a gal. I don't know. Anywho, you'll find out that they're here. You know, they came to slay. They did not come to play. They came to slay, literally slay. So chapter eight, Holly wakes up early. Everybody's still asleep. She's like, I'm going to go down for um, a swim. Sandy's out running. She says hi to him. And then she comes up upon Mick, who's out walking in the morning too. And so he's like, I'll walk down the lake with you. And they get down there, but then they notice that there's only one canoe tied up. Two of the other canoes are um, out in the little lake. So they go in there to pull them out and they find that they've had holes punched into them, drilled into them or something. And of course, you know what Holly finds by one of those, uh-huh, a red feather. So she freaks out because she's like, well, that's really weird. And now she's late to go meet the campers, getting off the buses. So she runs there. Deborah's a bitch to her. And that's gonna be the theory, the whole theme is Deborah's a bitch. So she's like, you're late, you've got to be serious. Yada yada yada. So she meets the campers, takes them back, and um she's like, I need to go see, um, what was I saying? I lost, I'm reading my, my Sorry. Oh my gosh, I just had the hor- most horrible brain part. So she goes to get the campers. That's what I was saying. So she's late. She goes there. She takes the girls back to the cabin. Deborah's a bitch. And then all of a sudden there's this huge crash. And when the top bunk of one of these beds falls on one of these little camper girls named Tracy, <laughs> it's not funny. Cause this is my my worst fear of being in a bunk bed is that I'll be on the bottom and the top will come crushing down on me. Turns out, luckily, nobody's up there. Tracy was okay, but the girls are all shaken up. Deborah comes back in. She's all like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and so she's like, clean this. Deborah's just a bitch. Like, like Holly had anything to do with it. So, of course, what does she find under those broken slats at the bunk bed? Another red feather. So now she's freaking out. She's got to go talk to Uncle Bill. She's like, you know, some shit's going on. this cannot be coincidence, but he's busy. Camper's just got there. He's stressed. So he's all like, I don't have time for this. Just go, you know, handle shit. So it's breakfast the next day. Kit comes in with a fake snake. Holly freaks out. She's on edge. She does not like snakes, bugs, like I told you. Well, then... All's going well. She meets up with Thea. They're talking, and Thea's like, "Oh, by the way, Deborah and Jerry are like BFFs." And there, she like maybe, and so Holly's like, "Well, maybe that's why Deborah's such a bitch and doesn't like me," you know? So then she decides she tells Thea about the feathers, and Thea's like, mm, "I don't really think so. Everything's, you know, I think you're just you just need to chill out. It's, you've had a rough go." And she's like, "Plus, her she's preoccupied because she's waiting for John to come meet with her. It's that night, you know, she's gonna meet." And so she's like, "Okay, you meet with John." So she's gonna she's walking back to her, her cabin. And she hears footsteps. End of chapter. Turns out it's just two campers out playing around when they shouldn't be. So she leads them back. And then she th- um, she sees Mick as she's walking back to her cabin. And so they start chatting. She's kind of flirting. And then Mick's all trying to get his Micmac on with her. And Holly's like, mm, you know, down boy. And he gets really angry. And he like grabs her arm. And she's all like, get your hands off me. And he gets mad and he leaves. And she's all like, oh, weirdo. Anywho, so then she sees somebody sneaking out of her cabin as she gets there, and then Sandy appears behind her. So she, this bitch is just not having. I mean, I guess, I guess the tagline on the front is right. It all happens in the dark because she's just popping up. I mean, girl, you just need to get in the building and stay there. I mean, you're not having good luck. So she goes into her room. She's freaked out. She goes, pulls her covers back. What's under her pillow? A damn snake. She freaks out. The campers freak out. Deborah's like, it's just a garter snake, and she picks it up and throws it. Come on, Deborah. it's a fucking snake. I don't care if it's a garter snake. I don't care if it's a damn boa constrictor, Deborah. Jeez, get off your high horse, pull the stick out of your ass. Some people don't like snakes. Anywho. <sighs> so the next day, Holly goes back to talk to Uncle Bill. She, she has time for, she says, you know, there's. I think these things are related. He's like, these are just freak acts. Of course there's feathers. We're a camp, they're from the craft place. We're not in danger, it's okay. You just need to chill out, relax. Next chapter, we have another letter. The person writing the letter says, yes, ooh, some bad things are happening. Someone's going to die soon. Don't worry. She's very cute. <gasps> Who could it be? Are we, is it Holly? Is it Thea? Is it that bitch Deborah? Who knows? So chapter 14, we're up to Holly. She's like, I'm going to figure this out. Nobody's believing her, but she's she's taking this seriously, damn it. She is like little Nancy Drew at camp. She's Campy Drew, Nancy Camp, Nan- it sounded better in my head. But anyway, she's going to solve this damn problem. So she knows it's a counselor, but who? So then they're at the softball game of the other camp, Camp Starlight. And so she's watching all the campers and the counselors trying to figure out, you know, who it is. She observed them, trying to learn them, see if she can get any ideas. So she's running through that in her head. And so then Mick says, hey, I'm sorry about, let's go. You know, you want to hang out? You want to watch stars and Talk? She's like, okay. So that night they chat and he once again tries to put the moves on her and she's all like, no. And he gets angry again. Okay, Mick, come on, buy a clue. No means no. Come on, Mick. Good Lord. My dog keeps looking at me because his name is Mickey and I call him Mick a lot. So I'm not talking about you, baby. But um, so my Mick is sweeter than this Mick. I promise. My Mick will not sexually harass you. I mean he'll lick you in the face and he might hump your leg. And this this Mick might lick you in the face and hump your leg. I don't know. He hasn't yet though. But he won't leave Holly alone. So anywho, so he's like, he's like, you won't get away with this. Oh, what won't she get away with? She just don't want anything to do with you, you creepy fuck. Back off. Back off. So anywho. <sighs> next day, she's all preoccupied. She's freaky. She's talking to Sandy. She tells him about the feathers because bitch can't keep a secret. She's got to find this out. I mean, in one hand, I see what she's doing, but you're telling all your secrets and all your clues to everybody. How are you going to solve the case if you're telling everybody? You're going to end up telling the person who's doing it, Holly, calm down, think, take some notes, take a nap, you know, go for a swim, Do that. but you're telling everybody your business this is not the way to solve a crime. Anywho, so he's like, you know what? Why don't you come with me next week? I'm, I'm leading a wilderness, a wilderness trip with some senior campers and some counselors. It'll get your mind off of it. You can get to know some of us better. You kind of got off on the wrong feet. She's like, okay, maybe that sounds good. So okay, we can we can do that, you know. So then Thea's all upset. John's avoiding her. She's like, I'm done with him. She's like, oh, by the way, I keep seeing you talking to Sandy. Are you interested in him? And she's like, no, he's just nice. Remember, I'm not here for boys. Way to go, Holly. You're not here for boys. Mainly because somebody's out to murder somebody, and you, you got to stay focused, priorities, choices. Anywho, so Kit on the way back to it, on her cabin, uh, Kit pops up. There's a fake spider. She she gets scared. She ends up being pinned down. Um, the person pinning her down is Mick. Then Jerry comes up, and she's like, "It's time you learned your lesson, the bitch." Is holding a bucket of leeches because I guess she if she's you know you know third third year runner-up third year champion that's what I was looking for of uh, miss Holdegrudge so she's got a bucket of leeches they push her into the small creek not Jerry Holly and then she thinks she sees Sandy but then he disappears so she's like maybe it's just a fig Newton of my imagination because I've just you know been attacked and pushed down this stream so then um they end up dumping <laughs> the leeches on this poor chick and leaving her she crawls up and she's on her way back she finds John he's all pissed and angry and she's all like dude You know, she's thinking to herself, why are you being so bitchy at me? I was just pushed into a a stream and had leeches poured on me. Back the fuck off. So she leaves him and she goes around and she starts to, you know, be like, what the hell is going on? She runs into Sandy and and he's all like, just okay, it's calm down. It's okay, you know, you're gonna be fine. She's like, I've just I've had a bad day. So she goes back to her camp and then she looks at the names for who else is on the trip. Wouldn't you know, it, it's Mick and Kit and Jerry. And she's like, well, damn, that's going to be awkward seeing as how they just tried to, you know, attack me and pour leeches on my head. Oh, poor, poor Holly. Get a drink. That's what Holly needs. She needs a drink. So then she's chatting with Thea. They're going to dinner. Kit's acting a damn fool in a gorilla mask hanging from the beams. Kids are all laughing, but Deborah's not there. John's not there either, and uh, Thea's all like, oh, my God, do you think they're together? Calm your tits, Thea. You just said you were over him because he wasn't paying you no mind. Well, Holly's all excited now because here Deborah is late for something, so she's like, I'll go find her, thinking, ha-ha, I'm going to rub it at her nose. Little does she know. Just wait, Holly. So she goes looking for her at the craft cabin because that's her, what she's in charge of. And as she opens the door, y'all, this is one of my favorite parts of the entire 12 books so far. She sees the room is covered in blood splatters because there at the potter's wheel is Deborah's dead body leaned over. The potter, the Potter the pottery wheel is spinning rapid fire with her face down on it. And her face has been like, like is now just like a bloody Mass of raw pulp. Cause it's like worn away at her and it's like flicking like blood and face goo everywhere. Oh, it's so awesome. Oh, this was so awesome. This is the definitely the most gruesome death in the series yet. Way to go, Deborah. You were a bitch, but you know, you went out with a bang girl, you know how to take it. So Holly obviously freaks out because I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? But she notices uh, it looks like her owl pendant got tangled in the wheel. Uh, then John comes up behind her, is like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "I gotta go find Uncle Bill. You stay here." And then, and so she's like, "Okay." I mean, what else you gonna do? So as John's going to get Uncle Bill, she notices that there's a okay, red feather. I'll send this. I didn't ask you to send anything. Hell, what did you send to who? Oh God damn it, Siri! Cheese Louise. I didn't want you to send anything. Son of a bitch. what did she do? Hold on. Oh my God. I don't know what I sent. I was added to some group thing at school and I just sent something. Thank goodness it's not me cussing. Good Lord, Siri. How embarrassing. Anywho, it's just gibber jabber that I just sent to some group text message. Oh my god! Anyway, so Holly notices there is a red feather pendant, and a red feather entwined in her pendant. I'm all discombobulated now, Siri. So next chapter is a letter, and he's like, "Ha ha! That craft counselor. The police think it was an accident, but I know better. I left my calling card." Okay, so Holly does not think this is an accident. Obviously, she sees Jerry the next day. Jerry's like, I bet you're glad you hated Deborah. You were there. Maybe you did it. And she's all like, bitch, please. You know, Jerry, Jerry's now resident bitch, I guess. You know, long live the bitch. You know, the bitch is dead. Long live the bitch. That's what I meant to say. Would have been better coming out the right the first time. So Holly goes and tells the detective everything about the feathers because you know she just cannot shut up about these damn feathers. That's all she's grasping at straws. Well, she's grasping at feathers, I guess. But you know, so and the the, the police are like, oh, okay, you know. So then she goes tell uh, Uncle Bill asked to meet with her. He's like, I'm gonna replace um, Deborah as the head counselor in your cabin with Jerry. To which you know Holly freaks out. We don't get along, and he's all like, damn bitch. If you just want to go home, go home. You know, he just wigs out on her, right? Because, I mean, I understand. I understand, Uncle Bill. You're preoccupied. You had the fire. You had the flood. You had the kid die in the boating accident. Now you have a camp counselor's face worn off by a pottery wheel. I. He's got bigger things on his plate than a handful of feathers, Holly. Buy a clue, bitch. I understand it. So he's like, look, I need you just be a team player. Basically, shut the hell up. Pull up your big girl panties and move along. So she decides to do so. So that night they have like a team building meeting as for the camp counselors where uncle Bill's like, you know, it's okay. We all need to work together. I'm sorry this all happened, but you know we' we're, go- we're gonna keep going on for the camp for the campers and everything, yada, yada, yada. So after that, um, during that rather, she, uh, Holly's like watching people, you know, somebody's here is doing this. So she sneaks off and she decides, you know, I got to go look for clues. So she goes to cabin nine, the boys cabin. She finds Kit's practical joke stuff in his, you know, dress drawers, whatever. Couldn't find anything in John's thing. She finds a box. Okay. And then she finds a key. Cause she's like, where would like, I put a hide a key under the bed? But then in walks John bum, 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 before she could do it. She's like, uh, 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 I lost something. He's like, yeah, you did, bitch. You lost your damn mind. He didn't say that, but that would have been really good if he had. Hold on. Somebody's getting into the trash or the recycling bin. <coughs> hey, hey, me again. Damn cat was getting in the recycling bin. But anyway, I'm not even going to edit this out because this is real life. This is what happens to me. So <laughs> where was I? Oh, so she's sneaking around. She finds this box and John, she's like, OK, look, I'm sorry. It's just there's so much going on because, you know, she hasn't talked to John yet about these feathers. She's like, I'm just looking for a clue to see if I can figure out what's going on. And he's all like, you know what? You just need to get out of here. Leave the, give me that, get out of here. And you better not tell anybody anything. And she's like, okay, weirdo. So she's going to go back to her cabin, but then she veers off. She decides to go check Mick's cabin. What does she find there? Some Native American, American, Native American rattle paddle things. And buy his stuff with red feathers on them. Uh Uh-huh. So now she's like, oh, it's good that I'm snooping around. Next chapter, we get a letter to the chief that says, one of the counselors is getting suspicious. I'm going to have to handle this, okay? So it's now time for the trip the next morning. She wakes up early. Sandy um, tells uh, Holly, you know, that plan, uh change of plans. One of the other counselors that was supposed to go isn't going. Now John's coming, so she freaks out. Um, she is sharing a... Awkward. She's sharing a canoe with Mick as they're all can they're paddling. They get to the campsite that night, and you know they're all tired, and she's freaking out because she's pretty sure somebody there is going to kill her. She's not wrong, and um, she hears crying, so she sneaks off and she comes upon John with a knife. But then out from you know the shadows steps one of the senior campers, Courtney. Come to find out, Courtney and the camp, senior camper, Courtney and counselor John have been having a little some, some going on. And they were just arguing and they're like, you can't tell anybody you saw this. So that's why John's being such a dickwad is because he thought that she was onto him, that she was spying on him for uncle Bill. And she's like, no, I won't tell anybody. It's okay. Y'all just, just come on, just keep it, keep it on the DL, you know? So, so she's thinking, okay, maybe things aren't so bad. John's not really an asshole. He's just, you know, sleeping with getting his mac on with a camper and so so she won't tell anyone so uh so she goes to bed wakes up early the next morning and she's all like oh okay First day she goes out there, look around. Sandy's also up. He's like, Hey, I was just getting ready to scout the canoe trip down the river. There's going to be some rapids. You want to join me? We'll be back before everybody gets there. So she's like, sure. That sounds fine. So they get in there and they're paddling down the river, you know, and Sandy mentions that he knows this river. It should be fun. She's like, well, how do you know this river? If you camped here before, he's like, Oh no, 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 no. I, or were you here last year? He's like, no, no, no. I wasn't a camper here last year. I've camped here with my brother. And she's like, I thought you were an only child. And he's like, uh. and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, you know what? You're really careless. You didn't tell anybody that you were with me. And she's like, um, yeah, I didn't because you said we'd be back. Why would I wake somebody up? So then the canoe starts to be drifting and he starts to get really weird. He's like, you know, lots of people at this camp are careless, like Deborah. No, I'm not gonna. Hey, cat. No, I'm mad at you, cat. No, hey, cat. I'm mad at you. So um, he's like, last summer there was an accident. There was a little boy named Seth died because Deborah was careless. Turns out Seth was his little brother. And you know what he called him? He called him Chief. You know what his sign was? A red feather. That's right. He used to write letters to his brother Seth at camp every day. And he still writes to him every day, he says. So clearly Sandy is off his damn rocker. Holly's all like, oh damn, I'm in a canoe on the Rapids with a crazy, which it's true, she is. And so he's like, I've been doing all these things. He confesses that he was the one with the bat, or With he put the bat in her cabin. He knocked the thing, loosened the cabinet so it fell on Uncle Bill, yada, yada, yada. He's like, and now you know too much, so I have to deal with you. He's like- I'll handle you. I'll go back and tell the other campers that it was another boating accident. We'll be good to go. And she's all like, no, no, no. It'll be okay. Nobody needs to know anything. Everybody's okay, you know? And he's like, you need to pay. He lunges at her and she goes, "What?" Knocks him upside the head with a paddle. And so he just falls. And she thinks he's dead, but he's not. He's just, you know, I mean, he's knocked unconscious because it's a fucking canoe paddle. Shit. So then suddenly the boat hits a rock. She falls overboard, thinks she's going to be lost in the rapids, she swims to shore and she's like i've got to make it to i got to make it back to the camp. She doesn't know what's happened to Sandy's body in the canoe because it went on down the river. Okay? So she's wandering through the woods trying to get back to camp when who should be there, but Sandy. He once again says that she knows too much that he needs to get rid of her because she has to pay for her carelessness and now she knows too much. She was too careless by by um you know snooping around and finding things and so she's running from him. He hits her on the ankle with a branch. She falls. So she's crawling to this little cave to try to hide from him. And in the cave are a bunch of snakes. She has to face her fear at all. She grabs a snake and throws it in Sandy's face. He falls down the hill. So she looks down at him. It looks like he's dead. So she takes a chance. She's got to go back down the hill to get back to the campsite. He's not dead. He's breathing. And then suddenly Mick appears. She freaks out. Turns out he's not there to attack her he is there to save her. Aw, yay, Mick. Even though you've been grabbing us and you've been kind of, you know, a little creeper, you saved us. Let's not forget though, that he was a little bit of an angry, can't, you know, no means no, mister, but right now he's saving the day. So I guess we're going to overlook that. Whatever, Holly. So he tells, he tells her that he followed, he woke up early, followed them because he thought things seemed off. So they, put Sandy's body in the canoe and go back to camp and go back to the, or go back to the campsite and then go back to the main camp. So all is well. (sighs) So that's how it ends. He's going to be taken to a mental hospital. The police tell him that they found all of the letters that he had written to his brother, Seth, in a box. Damn bitch, if you'd have just opened that box that you found hidden, that wasn't really John's, you'd have known this. You could have saved it all, but you didn't. Oh, well, but all's well now because, well, unless you're Deborah, not all well for you, but for everybody else, all is well. And so it ends on one of the those, you know, hokey notes where, like, all of a sudden there's a um, <laughs> a fake uh, uh, Mitch puts a, a one of the fake rubber snakes at her and she's all like, I'm not afraid of that anymore, you know, because she's faced her fears. Boom, boom, boom. And it ends. Oh, see, right? Wasn't it great? Even though the fact that um, that Sandy was pretty, you know, it was pretty obvious, you know, that he was going to be, he was not a red herring. He was pretty, I mean, the way the story set up for it was pretty, pretty clear that Sandy was going to be the killer. I still loved everything about this, you The campsite. The, the, I mean, the face ground into the potter's wheel was just beautiful. When the face is beautiful, it was probably really gory, but the death was fantastic. Oh, I loved it. This was just so fun because it takes so many great tropes. It reminded me of Friday 13th, which is one of my favorites. I just love that whole one. Plus you got the Kevin Bacon reference. This was just the perfect storm of fabulosity. (sighs) So we get to double file this though, for fears as crazy person, because, 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 sorry because poor Sandy was off his damn rocker, but he was also a murderer. So we get to do crazy and a murder. So that's good. I gave it five stars because I loved it. People on Goodreads are liking it too because it's got a 3.62, okay? We do, yay, have a death. Sorry, Deborah. pour some out for our homegirl. Let me take a drink. Mm. That brings the death count up to eight. So we are doing good. We are now eight deaths out of 12 books. That's good, y'all. We're doing good. We're well over 50%. Of course, I made note that we do have Seth that died pre-book. We always have one pre-book death at least. So, you know, here it's Seth. But before we get to talk about movie, the important thing, who is the queer? I know what you're thinking. Maybe it was Thea. You know, the lesbian sidekick friend. It wasn't. It wasn't any of the campers because here our queer, we have our first adult queer, y'all. I'm so excited. It's Uncle Bill. Clearly, clearly, Uncle Bill, he's a big old queen, <laughs> all, all pl- flustered and, you know, worried. And it's, I could just see him being a uh, just a great well-dressed. You know, I, it, when I see him, I think of, of <laughs> uh, Shelly Long dressed in, um, you know, the outfit for um, Tro- Beverly Hills. I feel like he's in something like that with like a little neckerchief anywho, that was our queer was Uncle Bill. So way to go, Uncle Bill. Welcome to the list. But now the other thing in this episode's going to be a little bit long, but it's okay because who doesn't want to listen to me? <laughs> so we know that finally, 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 after many, many, many a year, we are getting some Fear Street movies. They've been put off a little bit because of COVID. Screw you, Rona. And they'll be coming to Netflix. There's going to be three of them. There's going to be Fear Street 1994, Fair Street 1996. 1978 and Fair Street 1666. So yes, that's 666. It's gonna be done kind of like a um, an anthology series where like some of the actors and actresses will be in the different ones and playing different characters. But right now we're gonna talk about Fair Street 1978 because the setting for Fair Street 1978, that movie, will be a place called Camp Nightwing. <gasps> Yes, that's what just happened. So the premise seems to be there's some division among the campers of Shady Side and a richer section, but they're going to have to work together when tragedy strikes the camp and they un- un- um, uncover some secret, uh, you know, ties to Fear Street and Shady Side. So. Yes, I can't wait. So it'll start with Fear Street, 1994, and then go backward to Fear Street, 1978, and then go backward to Fear Street, 1666, which much in line, the books don't go backward in time like that per se, but after a lot of Fear Street books, we do get to some origin books for Fear Street Um the way that I will talk about much more in the future where we find out all about Simon Fear and the mansion and how Shadyside came to be created and why Fear Street is so cursed and why the Fear family was so cursed, which that's probably going to be the premise of Fear Street 1666. So I am super stoked for this. So just another reason to love Lights Out. So next week, we're going to talk about The Secret Bedroom, which is another good book with another fabulous cover. But this week, We had Uncle Bill and his poor old Phelan camp, Camp Nightwing, so with lights out. So, thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. So, you know, just if you're going camping, it's getting close to summer. We're, you know, like two months away. If you're going to go camping, just watch out because you might get murdered. I mean, odds are you will because most of the people that go to camp get murdered. There's only really ever one, two, maybe three if you're lucky people that survive. So hopefully you're a Holly and not a Deborah. but you know, either way, stay queer until next week. Bye.